Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. wanted to remind you that I have got a three-step guide to start changing your life and making really sustainable changes, essentially, on getting your life more aligned with your dreams, with your vision, with your goal. And it can be really confusing and it can be um, very daunting to go without a guide. So I created a three-step guide for you to Ignore the little gremlins in your brain so that you can really stay true and stay committed to realizing your dreams because you are worthy of them. So if you go to my website, livemyhappyhealth.com, you are going to find that three-step guide and I cannot wait to hear how it goes for you. So let's dig in to today. Okay, podcast fam, you guys are going to get such a gem today. She is like so sweet, so knowledgeable, a totally badass athlete, yoga instructor, mindfulness coach, movement coach. Like she really has, when I talk about foundations dialed in, like her foundations are dialed in, her anchors are dialed in, and she teaches other women how to do the same and men primarily women. Okay. Primarily women to do the same. And when you're feeling stuck, when you're feeling like you don't know what to do, you've got some confusion. She helps you get clarity through movement and mindfulness. And we're going to discuss. So welcome, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. Your words mean so much. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to dive in with you. Um, Dude, you're killing it. Like y'all, her Instagram game is like legit. AF. Everything she says, I'm just like, yes, 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 please. Yes. So that was a little intro, but like, tell us what you do, how you got here um, and why you do it. Um, So I coach women um, totally online. I have a 12 week mastermind course where we dive into mindfulness and movement and how to use these two tools to really guide your life um, and have you connect to your true potential, your intuition. Um, A lot of the times we are kind of living in this unconscious state. And some of these tools really allow you to connect to yourself and the power that really we really have before we kind of have like these doubts and and kind of this idea of what we should be doing that kind of filters into our life. Um, And finding just really how important it is to connect to yourself. Yes. And how did we, because that's something that's so like, I see it all the time, women. And I actually, I call it disconnected from your body. Like when I talk to people about it, that seems to be the most like visual way that I can think about it. Like a lot of people live in their heads so much, especially women, right? Because we're taught to disconnect. We're taught to self-sacrifice. We're taught to self-betray and all those things build a disconnection. How did you get into this work? 
Um, so movement has been a part of my life, my entire life, um, growing up doing gymnastics and dance um, competitively. So I always loved movement of the body um, and also kind of like intuitive movement and, and improv through dance. Um, so that's kind of how I grew up. And then after I got to college, I started, um, found a new love of weightlifting and, and CrossFit, cross training. Um, so again, just like movement of the body and kind of realizing the potential that you have, like you have this kind of idea of what your potential is. And then there's the actual, your actual potential, which really doesn't have a ceiling over us, right? It's up to you. And it's that a kind of that feeling that you get when after a workout or after you move, after you dance, after you play. And it's yeah. like that feeling allows you to kind of, you know, go further in your life. Like, it's like, okay, if I can do this in my body, like here is, you know, in physical form, me breaking that potential. And it's like, what else is possible? Like that in my mind, I'm telling myself one thing. Yeah. Can I also do it mentally and break through that as well? Yeah. It's like when you step up to do like a lift in CrossFit and like, you know, logically it's only like a two pound difference, right. Or a two and a half pound difference. Like, you know, you can pick that bar up and then you get in your head. That's why so many people don't calculate how much weight they have because they're like, nope, nope. If I know then I can't do it. And it's like a total mental game. Or if, um, you think you can't be good at something, then you're, you're automatically not going to try like those stories that we tell ourselves become our reality. And it's so true. Like not only the stories we tell ourselves, but the stories that we believe because your brain may tell you, and I'm sure you see this often, like your brain may tell you, you can't do something. Other people do it better. You're going to look stupid, blah, 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 blah. Like whatever our brains are dicks. Um, but we don't have to believe them. And that's something I talk a lot about. Like, yeah, you have those thoughts, but you choose where to put your intention and that's where being mindful, I think, really comes into play. So is that something that you're seeing too? Yeah, and I, I love working with athletes too because um, they're, they're some of the strongest people and they have, you know, we, we work out, we do these hard workouts and we create this intentional suffering to be able to apply that outside of our life and, and know how to face challenges. Um, but it kind of goes back to that, famous quote of, you know, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're, you're right. Um, and when we can get out of that story, like whatever it is that we're telling us uh, ourselves, um, and stop, you know, as you know, we collect the evidence to, you know, support the story that we have, but it's really taking a moment to disconnect from that story and see where am I limiting in myself and where am I putting a story behind something that's not really true? Yeah. I think that's such a powerful practice because a lot of people, I mean, pretty much everyone. Yeah. No, every, like 100% of the people I've worked with don't realize that you, um, you just decide these things are true, but you don't necessarily have to believe everything your brain says. And once people get that concept where they're like, oh, oh, like not everything my brain says is gospel. It's so freeing because then you can really pick and choose what I use the term helpful because I don't particularly care if a thought is true. I care if it's helpful. Does it help me get to the life I want? Does it help me 
reach my goal? Does it help me have a better relationship, um, job, whatever? Like, is it helpful? Because I think a lot of people too get caught up in if it's true or untrue, where it's like, well, yeah, it's true that I can't, um, make a million dollars in the next 10 days. And it's like, yeah, cool. But like, there's probably a lot smaller things. Like it's true that I can't pick that bar up, but they don't think to add like yet, you know what I mean? And so they just go through life, like deciding whatever their brain says is true, but most people really don't question it. And that's what you were saying earlier when they like live in a state of unconscious because they're not, they're not paying attention. They're not, this is so good. All these like little things are coming together. Like they're not mindful. They're not paying attention. They're not questioning things that they just decided or were taught or true. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the, um, you know, one of the weeks that we dive into manifestations, we talk about how like the power of talking in the present tense versus the future tense, right? If you keep saying, if you keep talking in the future tense, you know, it's going to stay in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to be and embody what you want to be right now. <clears throat> but it feels a little sticky. It feels a little uncomfortable to mm-hmm. say the things that we want to be true right now, because we have that fear and that doubt and that, what if I say this right now and, it, and it's not going to be true, yeah. but it's getting to the root of why we have that limitation. Um, it's not just, you know, saying affirmations and, and letting them and think that's going to be enough. It's really right. like diving deeper into the root of, <laughs> um, you know, the limitations that we have and knowing that we're separate from that voice that Mm. we've been talking about, like the, it's almost like, you know, when I'm in meditation and I have a thought come up and it's almost just like saying hello to the thought, like, and realizing like that voice of me saying hello to the thought is separate. Um, right. We are not our thoughts. Like we're the, the person and the entity and the spirit behind them. And uh, I think of one, if people just hear one thing, it's like, you don't have to believe all of your thoughts, but how do you even like when you're working with these women, how do you teach them that? How do you get to that point where they can not only say what their goal is and say like, I'm abundant, I'm successful. I have a relationship that I love or whatever it is that they're trying to manifest and have it feel more authentic. Um, well by starting, um, like when we start the program, it's all about awareness Um, because a lot of people aren't even aware of the power that they have to control their thoughts, um, or what's going on up there, you know, like, um, (laughs) when we're going like for a walk or if we're, you know, washing the dishes or doing something that doesn't really require us to be fully present, um, using kind of those small challenges to make wins for the day of, you know, when you're on or on your walk, can you be mindful? Can you be aware of where your thoughts go? Um, and that awareness is kind of the foundation and that's where we begin. And then integrating kind of how those thoughts can either help us, um, or are they hurting us and what can we replace them with? Yeah. Um, and, and going into different tools to get there and, then diving a little bit deeper. Um, you know, we actually start with meditation. A lot of people don't meditate or don't know what it is or don't think they're doing it right. Um, meditation is a, it's a practice for sure. It's, um, any, any time that you can just be still and sit still and be aware of your thoughts. Um, usually, and you know, like a, a place where you can not be disturbed, And a lot of people are like, how do I know if I'm doing it right? (laughs) And if you have a thought where you're like, oh, I I need to do this. I need to do that. 
and you observe the thought and you don't take action on it, you're meditating. Yeah. <laughs> but Ooh, it doesn't that's such a good. Yeah. That's a great explanation. Can you repeat it? Um, so anytime that you have a thought where you think you need to take action on it or do something else, but be still, um, and you observe the thought and you don't take action on it, that is meditation. I love that. Cause it, that's a really simple explanation. Like a lot of people do these long winded explanations, but it's really just sitting and noticing your thoughts and allowing them to exist. I think a lot of people get confused in that they think they're not supposed to think when they're meditating, like they're not supposed to have any thoughts. And if they have any thoughts, they're doing it wrong. Um, so I'm glad that you clarified that because then people think they're failing and they're like, well, shit, you're thinking and you're like, that's no, that's the point that your thoughts come up and you learn. I, um, it, to me, it's like the analogy of like sitting in a field with butterflies. Like I'm not chasing the butterflies. I'm just sitting in a field, watching them kind of fly by. Um, I'm not trying to get them. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm literally just watching butterflies. So to me, like when I think about meditating, that's what I think about. You're just watching your little thoughts, like little butterflies. Yeah, totally. And, and it's good. You can either, a lot of the times if I'm feeling like, <clears throat> I don't know what to think about, like it, that's okay. Yeah. You can use it as a way to just be still and kind of let the thoughts come to you. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily have to, you know, envision something or, or, or focus on anything in particular, just let the thoughts come up to you. Um, and it kind of is like this creative outlet, if you allow it to be, um, just letting the thoughts come to you. And the more you practice it, the more you feel kind of free to let that happen and, and let that creative space. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, um, I think it really, oh God, I had such a good point. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, okay. I think it really allows you to see patterns because you'll start to see the same types of thoughts or the same themes, or I really think that's one of the ways you get into alignment too, is you just like slow the fuck down and listen. Like I meet so many people who like live and die by busy culture, like live and die. They're like hustle, grind, and it's all just a distraction. Like, bro, you hate your life. Stop running from it 24 seven and face it. And I think that's why so many people are uncomfortable with stillness and they're uncomfortable with developing a relationship with their body because their body's going to tell them when something is wrong for them. And if you're so used to just, um, like shutting it down, then you don't Mm -hmm. have to listen. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to take accountability. You can just continue to grind until you die. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. You're, you're describing me a couple of years ago. I mean, I used to hate yoga. (laughs) Like I didn't get it. It wasn't a workout. Um, it was like time. I'm like, what am I accomplishing? Like, cause it wasn't like physical. It wasn't, well, it depends on the class of course, but I didn't really, I didn't like slowing down. Like, I, I mean, I still like to, you know, you know, be involved with a lot and, you know, get things done. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't understand the practice until I really got into the mindfulness space Mm -hmm. um, and started, you know, reading about it. And that's actually why I started to become more attracted to yoga Mm -hmm. kind of backwards was, was the mindset component. Um, my, my favorite teachers incorporate mental and physical themes into their classes. And, um, that's why I was really drawn to it. 
is that mind body connection. Yeah. I love that. It kind of, how did you even start taking yoga classes? Like, were you like, I'm going to get a workout or how did that come about? Um, I was interested in it because a lot of people that kind of danced when I was um, younger had, had started to get into it. So I tried a few classes and, mm-hmm. and did hot yoga. Um, that's where I currently teach in, mm-hmm. in person now. And um, then after that, I started to get into the mindfulness space and I started reading books. I read um, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and I was life-changing for me. Yeah. Um, that book was life-changing. And then I slowly started to read more and more and more. And I saw how it translated into my life and how powerful it was. And mm-hmm. I really felt drawn to teach it because um, it combined both my passion for movement and mindfulness in yeah. one. What are some of the changes that you saw that you've like experienced because of stillness and mindfulness and movement? Oh, so much more intention and confidence in myself. Um, Intention with the decisions that I make and confidence and knowing that they are the right ones. Mm. Um, I think that when we get so in our heads, um, we kind of, we lose that sense of intuition. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like so kind of just drawn to teach it because Mm -hmm. I saw like what it did for me. I am very type A personality, you know, like things down a certain way, you know, got the schedule, got like five planners going on. (laughs) Um, but it's really like these practices help you just release that because when you're trying to control so much and you're trying to grip so much, that's where the suffering comes in and and the separateness and, um, it's really, it's really powerful work and, and, you know, tangible skills that you can do in, in your everyday life. Yeah. Right. And it's exhausting. Like I anxious people are always control freaks, right? Like I just think about their life and I'm just like, you must be so tired. Like all the time energy and it's like living in like low, low vibes, low energy space, um, without really knowing. Yeah. Right. And the the kind of like the ironic thing is it doesn't even work. Like you still don't know anymore. You still don't have more control over the outcomes. You're just exhausted all the time. And then you lose that control that you are trying to gain because you actually have no control and we're putting it in the wrong place. And it's this like hurricane of suck that people get trapped in. And yeah, I, that's super, super true. Like people get trapped there and then they, they think that the antidote is to do more control is to, and then they lose people in their life and they can't, I mean, just Jesus, what a ball of stress. And I'm just like, oh my God, go lie in a field and watch some clouds. Like I can't, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And one of, <clears throat> another book that I, I highly recommend that I really, really spoke to me was, um, the surrender experiment. And it, it talks about, um, a lot of people have probably heard untethered soul, um, same author, but it is about, um, just letting life flow with you and, you know, releasing some of the resistance because that is where, um, we cause a lot of suffering for ourselves is resisting things, um, instead of letting it flow. Right. And that's a confidence piece too. Like if you don't believe that what is meant for you will never pass you, if you don't believe that the things that are yours will always be yours, 
then you try and control them and then you're pissed off. And, um, this happens to a lot of people where something won't happen for them. And they're like, well, nothing ever happens for me. And everything's always in the way. And I never blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, the impatient part of me is like, shut up. And the empathetic part of me is like, that's literally not true. And also those things just weren't meant for you. Like, okay, cool. That door closed. It wasn't your door. Move Mm -hmm. on pivot. And it's rewriting that story, right? Like if that's a story that we have in our, in our head, right. Um, we're going to keep giving energy to that. And the more energy we give to that story, the more it is going to be true. Right. So it's just being aware of that and, and writing, you know, a story and, you know, talk the way we talk to ourselves, have it be who we want to be, Mm -hmm. not kind of like sabotaging, um, our own self through, through our thoughts and through our patterns. Yeah. And I think people will just prove themselves right. Like I have a ton of clients who like think people aren't trustworthy. Well, I have th- different things, right? They think people aren't trustworthy. They're not worthy of love. They, everyone is miserable. Um, and they just prove themselves right. They hang out with people that prove that right. They choose partners that prove that right. They don't chase things that would prove that wrong. Mm-hmm. And all of that is just putting so much stock in a story that when they take two seconds to question it, literally two seconds, they know it's not true, but they keep buying into it because I think part of it is we don't want to be proven wrong. Right. So we look for evidence, right. just like you were saying, yeah. we look for evidence to support it. And I, I love, I love that you touched on that too, because that's another thing that I really dive deep into in my course is your, um, environment and we do kind of like a consumption audit um like who we surround ourselves with what we surround ourselves with um what we're consuming through media um and how that's really affecting our ability to step out of the pattern um because your environment will always beat out your intention and I really believe that to be true so if we keep ourselves in that environment and right like who we surround ourselves with is is so important. Um, so even if you have the best of intentions, you might not, your environment and your intention might not be in the best place. Right. Um, yeah, but your environment like, is helpful mm-hmm. or hurtful. Yeah. And you need both. Right. And it, I don't think it's a mistake that when people start doing this work, they often outgrow relationships that help them at a certain time. Um, one of the really tangible things I have clients do, especially in my therapy practice, if they, if they struggle with like suicidal ideation, is I have them get off the mental health memes. Like, I'm like, stop, stop, stop looking at them, stop consuming them, stop reposting them, stop it. Where you're like, oh my God, I'd rather die than do that. Um, Guess what that's feeding? <laughs> like, this is not okay. But yeah, you're so right. Like the media you consume. I mean, I see it sometimes scrolling through Instagram where they'll say like, stop following people who make you feel bad. And that's such a simple like, duh. But how many of us do it? How many of us continue to spend time with friends who don't support our success, who don't want you to succeed because now you're above them and that, that makes them feel bad. And it's, it's lonely, this process. So I'm sure that like, you've got some people who are going through it and they're losing or choosing to leave friendships or relationships or sometimes family members because they're they don't want them to grow, which is a really sad part about personal development that I think a lot of people don't talk about how lonely it can be, which is why doing a program, having a coach, having a community can be so, so, so valuable. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like <clears throat> that. I mean, through my own journey, I, I realized that too, there, you know, there are certain people that are going to, you know, accept you for who you are and who you're trying to be and, and others that aren't really ready to, and might reject that. And it might put a strain on the relationship. Um, but absolutely. Like when you become aware of some of this work, um, it changes how you see your world and, um, it's not personal if people don't want to like kind of accept this new version of you, like it's a reflection of them, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's really challenging. Uh, and that, I think that's where like, like you said, like the community component comes in. It's like, you have these people supporting you, supporting your wins, Mm -hmm. supporting your growth. Um, and this new, you know, better improved version of yourself. Um, because it's scary enough to realize and overcome our own limitations. Um, if you see other people do it in your life, it might, it might also kind of trigger that fear in you, or it might inspire you to do the same thing. Right. Yeah. And whichever one it is, like whichever, whether people are inspired by your journey or threatened by your journey has nothing to do with you as a person or your journey. Like they were going to be that way anyway. And I think it's, what I often find and something I say a lot is like, if people don't support you in your growth, they're just not your people. And learning to accept that can be kind of a hard pill to swallow. Super hard. Yeah. Um, Because you're already kind of feeling like a little bit of doubt about all of the work that you're doing. And then when all it takes is one person to kind of pull you back. Yeah. Um, But all it takes you is also one person to pull you forward. Mm. Um, I love that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm. But that is what, um, you know, the community with alternative moves kind of does um it, it's kind of finding that alternative for you that alternative mm-hmm. path you know um and pulling you forward into that by connecting to yourself how do people know when they have no connection with themselves if someone is listening to that they're like i'm totally connected but like they're definitely not how would they know i think um pa- like patterns and and habits and maybe routines that are making you feel like you're in the same place um maybe everything on the outside it might look different it might look the same but it's kind of a feeling um so I guess that is kind of a challenging question it's like that feeling of do you feel like there's something more that Mm -hmm. maybe that you're not stepping into yeah um yeah, really, it, that's kind of a hard question. I'll have to think on that. But definitely that feeling, that intuition. Something I have, um, something I notice when clients have no connection with their body is they can't make decisions. And yeah. I wonder if that's something that you see because that in and of itself is an intuition gap and it's a confidence gap. If you can't make decisions, if you're constantly seeking advice, if you're constantly outsourcing your own knowledge, your life doesn't belong to you. And that's scary. So you disconnect from your body and you don't know what's right or wrong for you because you're not, you have no connection to know, like you're not rooted to anything. So your decisions aren't based on a feeling. And then the other thing that happens is they try and out logic their way to those decisions. And I, all the time will ask someone, I'll say, well, how do you feel about that? And they say, well, I think blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't care what you think. That's not what I asked. I said, how did you, how do you feel about this? And they always, in the beginning of the journey, they'll pause. And then it's funny over time, as I ask that question, I say, well, how do you feel about that? They say, well, I feel really good. 
And I'm like, okay, now we're building a connection. And I wonder if that's something you see your clients struggle with is like, they can't, it like literally wigs them out to make decisions. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah, that definitely. And it's that connection, like out of the headspace into the heart space mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, not being able to make decisions. Um, people pleasing is a big one yes. and, and busy culture back to that. Um, just doing, doing, doing instead yes. of just being and knowing that that's enough. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely those three things are, are the top Okay. Yeah. Those are good. Those are probably good flags. Um, there's actually someone I follow on Instagram called the nap ministry and their entire thing is literally go take a nap. Like not so you're rested. So you do more later just because you deserve to rest, like go freaking nap. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I love this because I love naps. (laughs) They're my favorite thing. But a lot of people would say, but I can't. Right. I, have t- I don't have time or whatever. Um, that, that like the whole woman, you know, being selfish too, is like, kind of like the other thing that I've run into a lot is yeah, talk about it. Will it look, will it look selfish? Um, you know, being selfish by prioritizing myself, um, really taking time for yourself in your everyday, everyday life, especially with moms. It's like, it's even more, um, oh, difficult yeah. to find to find that me moment, um, yeah. in the day. Martyrdom yeah. is so glorified for women. Like I've literally had clients have a visceral reaction to me telling them, I want you to be more selfish. Like they make a face and they're just like, I could never. And so I usually give an example, like if I don't want to go to an event, I don't go. And they're just like, um, <laughs> like it blows wow. their mind. It yeah. blows their mind. Like there was, um, our local brewery had an adult prom on Saturday and it was totally David's thing, right? He loves shit like that. Loves it. Like he wants to go to music bingo. He wants to do adult party. He wants to do all this stuff where like me, I'm just like, that's so much noise and lines and overwhelming. And I would rather take a nap. So I went, right. So sometimes we compromise, but so I went and I was like, okay, love you so much. But like, we both know I'm leaving early. And then I will come get you. And that's part of being selfish too, is it, it doesn't have to be like you never do anything or you always self-sacrifice. Like there can be a balance where it's like, I'll come do this thing for you for however long I feel like it. And then I'll bounce. Right. Right. So what do you see? You, with women? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to, you, you touched on two things that we kind of talk about. Um, yes. The, the learning how to say no, like ways to say no, how to do it um, without causing yourself more stress and anxiety. Um, and then also like that all or nothing approach that a lot of us have. Um, well, and it's what they're taught, right? Like so many, and this comes back to, you know, not living in your body. Like we self-sacrifice. And so we tell our body like, Hey, you're not actually worth taking care of. I'm just going to put you offline because now you're uncomfortable and I have to distract myself. My dog is like hacking right now. What do you do? She's fine. I think she's faking. Do you need attention? Yeah. No, you need to go back to sleep. I know. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So yeah, they like, they've been taught that, you know, 1% selfish is just like the worst thing on the planet to be, but it, it it sucks. It just sucks. Sorry. Yeah. Like I, 
what it really is, is like prioritizing like your, what you, what the other, another person thinks of you or your fear of judgment over prioritizing yourself. And then again, you're choosing, you're not choosing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got to choose ourselves more or else we're going to other, we're not going to be able to tell other people that they can choose themselves if, if you don't first. Right. Right. And Um, you hate your life. Like resentment for sure. Oh, you hate your life. You hate these people who are asking you to do things. And I'm just like, um, they're asking you to do things because you always say yes. Whose fault is that? (laughs) Right. Stress, more stress, more overwhelm. And then you're back in the same place that you were. So what does it feel like? So let's go the opposite. What does it feel like to have a connection to your body? I would say, um, like an ease and flow state. Um, like knowing that things that are, are meant for you come to you and things that aren't, you know, weren't meant for you, or, you know, it's the universe saying the universe is protect, protecting you mm-hmm. when you get rejected or when something doesn't go your way. Um, it's that redirection piece, um, just going with the flow, um, you know, being connected to energy states and, and believing in that big, bigger, bigger picture. Can you give us an example of that? Like you were a client who like really wanted something and it wasn't like, it didn't work out, but then something better came along or it actually would have been terrible. A client story or a personal story? Either. doesn't matter. Hmm. I think that Well, the most recent one, I'll give my own example um, of when I kind of learned or experienced this like really intensely was with my last job. Um, Things were not working out and I was feeling a lot of resistance and um, like knowing that it wasn't meant for me, but still trying to push it and make it work and hold on to it and grip it because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and who gets a new job in the middle of a pandemic and all this stuff and this, like, just being aware of these thoughts, right? Like I teach this stuff, like I'm aware of it and I still experience it, right? Right. So it's not like you like do, you know, learn it one time and like your your life's forever changed. Like it's work. It's every day, it's every situation. Um, It's every experience that you have in your life. Um, But yeah, with, with this job, I was, I was gripping to it, not knowing what's on the other side. Um, but then, you know, once you become aware of it, you can replace the thoughts that you're having. And then I ended up getting my dream corporate job, um, you know, working for Reebok, working yeah. in global markets. And I, I was, you know, I was surprised, but not surprised almost. Like I felt the flow happening, like as I was transitioning um, but it's that fear of like not knowing mm-hmm. and that goes back to like the control and, and, you know, kind of all of those emotions that we experience when we do something new or make a change because we're stepping into a new reality. Right. Um, and it's that, still hard. You know, like, it's still hard, even if you're looking forward to it, even if you've worked for it, even if you've wished for it for so long, like it still requires, a new level of you, which in and of itself is scary. And if you're not grounded in your body, like, I feel like it's so much scarier. Yeah. And it's like, we, 
as our brains are wired to protect us. Mm. And when we don't, when we're in that unknown, unknowable future, we don't feel protected and safe. So it's that replacing that narrative to remind yourself that you are protected and safe, even when you're going through a change, Mm -hmm. even when something's unknown. Um, And again, yeah, like connecting and feeling grounded um, in that process. And I, I'm wondering, I love my dog so much. Why are you scratching? (laughs) I'm wondering if mindfulness is that other missing piece where if, I mean, if you're living now, if you're living in the here, then you can't really be in two places at once. You can't be like wigging out about the future and telling yourself those like apocalypse stories and being content in the moment. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I think I had, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I, you like, as you're going through these experiences, like you have to trust. Um, and that's like scary. And it's like, you can't connect the dots when you're looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. Like, Oh, like that's why that happened. Like that's what it was doing for me. Yeah. Even though you're in that state of, you know, confusion and, and not knowing once it happens, it's like, I mean, I'm sure so many people have had that experience of like, Oh, that was the lesson I've learned there. Like, but when you're in it, it doesn't feel like there's any lesson, but it's becoming aware and trusting that there is. Yeah. Which I think is another piece of intuition too, that I think a lot of people don't talk about is like intuition is also like, like you said, it's not only not resisting, but it's having faith that like things work out like, okay, cool. Like, I don't really know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to do the work and trust the process and it'll be what it is. Yeah. And that's why like that, that's why the work is so important because when you are in that transition, if you keep telling yourself that limiting story, the results are probably going to be, um, not as powerful as they could be. Um, because if, if you have that narrative, you know, if you're going like in, in my example, like if you're going into interviews with like these confidence issues with these limitations, that energy is going to be, you know, yeah, spilled into your environment um, into the things you say and do. Um, yeah. And that's why it's so important to, to be able to connect to that. Have you seen an energy shift in your group? Yeah. I mean, that's it's, we're about eight weeks in, um, in this, in this group. And I think building like that awareness is like a muscle that you keep building. And and now that you're aware of it, it's kind of like, oh, it's amazing what you can do with that um, awareness. But it's also kind of like, oh, well, now I'm accountable because I'm aware. <laughs> and like, right, when you know better, you do better. And right. I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I had someone last week, they, they kind of coached themselves through it. They were like, Yep. I didn't show up last week. I didn't do, I didn't do a meditation. I didn't do the yoga class because I didn't have time for one thing. So I just didn't do it all. And like, now she was like, I realize that's how I'm like, I'm like with other things in my life. Like if I don't think I can give a hundred percent, then I don't even like show yeah. up. Yeah. It's um, like, she gets a flat tire and then instead of changing the flat tire, she just slashes all the other tires. And it's like, well, yeah. now you have four flat yeah. tires. Yeah. But it's that pressure of like, you have to be a certain way. So like, I can't show up, you know, partial or, you know, right. whatever, however you look at it, that all or nothing. Whatever story. Yep. Whatever story it is. Um, 
And it's like, there, as you experience things and you become aware, you almost can call yourself out on your own bullshit, <laughs> your own habits. And, you know, so it's really powerful to, to see that and that awareness grows and like, you know, physical muscle, mental muscle, mm-hmm. you put in the work, you put in the reps and, and things just improve slowly, but surely you get better. Right. And like, everybody sucks at first. Like when I work with clients, I'm like, listen, this may not work the first time. It may not work the third time. It will definitely not work every time, but the better you get, the better you get. So if you start at 10%, you're doing it, it'll grow to 20, it'll grow to 60. And I'm like, once you really do it, like half the time, your life starts changing so much. And when clients are resistant, I'm just like, well, what if, what if you did it 20% of the time? Like how much better would your life be? And they're just like, oh my God, so much better. And I'm like, great, start sucking because eventually we'll get to 20%. And then you just feel so much better. Like Mozart wasn't Mozart overnight. You weren't super great at CrossFit overnight. Like it takes reps. It takes a lot of reps. Right. And, and integration, like it, Yes. You have to make it sustainable. Like you can't be, you can't expect yourself to have a time for a, a 20 minute meditation, an hour yoga class, an hour workout, journaling, reading. You're no, you right. don't make that your routine because that's not sustainable. And then you're not, you're going to shut down and it's going to be back to that pattern of all or nothing, all or nothing. And um, I, think, I think that's another reason why working with a coach is so let me clarify by working with a good coach is so important because a lot of coaches just sell canned programs and they're like, Oh, it worked for me. It'll definitely work for you. Instead of taking into account, like the nuance of people's lives. So if you were just like, well, I meditate an hour every day and do yoga and do crossword for an hour. So you have to do the same thing. And that's the only way to succeed. And it's like, okay, literally, no, it's not. And also a good coach helps you take whatever the programming is and like literally mold it to your life. So it is sustainable because you're not going to do things that don't actually fit your life. Like if they don't actually build into your environment. Right. Right. It has to be a part of like who you are and and what you want to do. It can't just be, you know, something to like check off the checklist and, you know, get it done. And that, that's why like the coaching is so powerful is because, you know, I work with moms, I work with people in their twenties and their thirties, single, married, um, whatever it is, like everyone's in such different circumstances. It's going to look different for everyone. Right. It's not going to, it's not going to work the same. People are going to be at different stages, but, um, the, the group environment's really powerful because even though we are at different stages and are at different points in our life, we all go through the same things and we're yeah. all putting, putting in the work. So that's why yeah. that connection is so powerful. Yeah. Like the themes are totally the same. Like it's, it's all ice cream, but like different flavors. Yep. Yeah. They're all good. They're all good good flavors. They're all, they're all good flavors. (laughs) Except like, listen, mint chocolate, mint chocolate. I can't (sighs) ice cream. Like, oh, I I can throw it off of a break. I can't do it. I'm like a cookie dough person. Okay. Okay. Or strawberry. get down for that. That's like legit. (laughs) So Sarah, this is I love this. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of clarity about how you literally have to move to shift your life. Like you can't just wish it. You can't just manifest it. Like you have to take inspired action. You have to actually change things. You have to actually move things. How do people find you? If they're like, I love Sarah and I want to hang out with her. How do people do so? Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, underscore Sarah Buckley. 
And you can find my website through there as well. What's the website? Um, Alternativemoves.com. Yes. And you just do the program right now? Do you do one-on-one coaching? Yeah. So I just do the program right now. Um, Our next launch is going to be in August. Um, So I'm opening up spots for that. I'm really excited. Um, And it's a 12-week program. um, And there's you know, community and coaching and weekly yoga videos and, and kind of some workout inspiration for you. Um, as that it's definitely a component of program, um, total mind, body connection and and community too. Love it. Dude, you are busy, like doing the corporate thing, yoga instructor, running these things. Like, do you think you could do it without the practice that you have? Like do this many no, things. because the moment, <laughs> the moment I, I get out of my own practice mm. is the moment I feel back to that space of like, you know, overwhelmed and, and like, there's too much going on. So yeah, it's so important. It has to be first at the top of your list, right? You can't be the first to go. Right. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Cause you can't show up for other people. If you don't have these anchors, if you don't yeah. have this practice built in. Mm-hmm, 100%. So tell us one more time where to find you. And then if people hear nothing else, but this like one thing that you want them to know, what would that be? All right. Instagram underscore Sarah Buckley. And the one thing I want you to take is if nothing changes, nothing changes. Hmm. Oh, yep. So visioning and, and all of the work that you, you know, want to happen, you got to take action behind it. Um, it's so important. So important. Tiny steps and tiny action steps to get you there. Yeah. And they build. Start yep. with one step, take another. I love that. hundred percent. I love it. Dude. Thank you so much. Like this was beautiful. Thank you. I love it. Um, so amazing. Such a good conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, fam. Be good.